What's up, everybody? Welcome in, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Cool Down Time. My name is Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show. Pablo and Pablo were here with more end-of-year coverage, uh, this time around for Nintendo Switch. And, and man, it's a, it's, it doesn't come around very often when you can uh, you know give a review for you know, not only the year for a console, but the entire lifespan of a console. But here we are, uh, hypothetically at the tail end of the Switch's life here by all uh, accounts. So, Or so um, they say. <laughs> I'm almost nervous to say that, dude. It feels like yeah. it's, it's not even going to happen. But uh, it, it made me think of a question I wanted to ask you um, to kind of get the show rolling here. And um, I'm curious to know if there was ever a console that you had over your years as a gamer that you had the hardest time letting go of when, when that generation was over for it. Was there one that you were like, no, I kind of wanted more of that one, but it, it was over and done. We we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, definitely the uh, SNES, the Super really? Nintendo. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, when the Nintendo 64 dropped, it was, it was expensive. And so, you know, I just wasn't sure if I was going to get it. And then the games that were coming out, 3D in nature, something new for me. But there were so many games because back in then, back in the day, you'd play a game for years. You know, it wasn't yeah. like all right, yeah. on to the next one two weeks later. <laughs> uh, I played Super, I played Kenker for Junior's Winning Run and like Super Mario World for like six years, like nonstop. You know, uh, so when when we had the new consoles, it was kind of the first time where I was in the know that okay. I this is now dead and now we're moving on to something new and that was the hardest for me to let go. I mean I still played my SNES even when I had the N64 just because I just didn't know how to let go. Uh but that, I mean quickly uh thereafter I, I, I realized, you know, it, it you know, things get better, right? But yeah. it, definitely the SNES was the one for me that was like so hard to let go. Matter That's a fact, good choice. I still have my SNES. I was just going to ask you. I think you still have it, don't you? Yeah. Like you, you never did do. let go. <laughs> no, I never did. I still yeah. have it. But you know, you made a great point though. Like the transition from 2D to 3D gaming, that was a big jump. Like that yeah. was a huge deal at the time. And you know, I, I had reservations too, because I was, I was used to, you know, playing, you know, Paperboy, you know, and just random mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, back when I had bad taste in games. Um, <laughs> but hey, Paperboy is good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. You ain't shit for that, but I see what you did. Um, no, but I, that's that's actually a great pick. Um, mine is kind of way back too. Uh, mine is the first PlayStation. Uh, the yeah. PS One to me, I think, was just peak uh, gaming for me. Uh, I don't know if anything. I mean, I've I've played better consoles, but I just I was so in love with the PlayStation, and and it was time. It was time. Like the games were still coming out at a decent clip but the problem is the hardware was just it was lagging and my particular console i i was doing the thing where i had to like tilt it upside down and at an angle for the disc to read at that point so it was time to move on but like my heart wasn't ready to let go because man playstation gaming back then was like a revelation you know it's such a complete antithesis to uh what nintendo was doing and what sega had done it was like this is what i always wanted and then it was like oh Oh, now the PlayStation 2 is coming. And I was like, what? But there's still stuff I want to play. But 
you know, obviously the PlayStation 2 came out and it sold like crazy and it became an all-time great as well. But man, the PS1 for me was just something else, man. It was something different. But, it was, uh, it was. Yeah. But uh, we will be... Uh, We'll be sending our, our final thoughts out about the Switch later on in the main event of the show, but we have plenty of other things to discuss this week, Pablo, so why don't we go ahead and get rolling with loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we have a pretty interesting list of games to talk about this week, Pablo, but I want to kick it over to you first to tell me the first game that is on the docket for you, sir. Well, I mean, the, the year of surprises keep on rolling in, uh, and we're talking about RoboCop Rogue City. For those of you who don't know what RoboCop is, that's like a 1987 action film where the main uh, the main character was Alex Murphy, a Detroit cop who almost got killed in the line of duty, but was saved by some experimental procedure that makes him half uh, man, half robot. And, you know, this is a, it's a cult classic of a film, and... 1987, and there have been games on the NES, SNES that they haven't been very good, really. Uh, and then 2023, they decided to, to release a RoboCop game. Uh, I, I'm on record here saying that this wasn't going to be any good. I mean, why would it be any good? I mean, this is <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But um, again, like I said, uh, it, when we're talking about surprises, this is another one of those games that surprises me. You know, um, a lot of times when we talk about film, we talk about the B-movie in films. B-movies are, are kind of a movies that don't really have much to say and they have a smaller budget and they're doing a lot with little and so i think that we struggle within the gaming uh capacity to label a a video game a b game just because of what that entails but i think robocop rogue city is the perfect uh example of a b game where you know not a lot of budget behind it uh it's not exactly a game that's making you think you know there are some social commentaries like there were in the robocop film but they do so much with so little and they get the aesthetic of robocop so right and it's fun to play i've always said you know there's something to be said about fun games you know you can talk about the story you can talk about how it makes you feel you can talk about the emotionality of video games and that's very important too especially as you get older but going back down to basics and playing a game that is just plainly fun robocop has that in spades i mean you, you have your gun and you're just literally annihilating people blowing off their heads it's uber violent just like the movie was doesn't pull any punches in that capacity uh, i think it's actually a nice game to look at you know it's it's, it's it has its, its moments there are some times where the character animations are got awful and some of the facial animations are equally as awful but overall the game itself is just a it's just a kind of a a, a a breath of fresh air within the shooting uh genre because you know we're so filled to the call of duties and all those games that are known as shooters when you play a shooter that's that's very much just there to, to kind of take you from point a to point b to point c and then even within that some of the maps are kind of big so there's some side quests within that that are actually just as fun uh uh, there are some moments where you have conversations with people and you explore RoboCop's humanity, something that I really wasn't expecting, something that they touched on in the, even in the films, but they even further expand upon here with those kind of how Alex Murphy feels. You get to kind of, you kind of get to build your character and, and think of your character as he more robot, as he more human. Unfortunately, those comp those kind of conversations don't bleed over to the the game itself. Like you're not doing things differently just because you're you know more in touch with the human side or more in touch with the robotic side. But overall, 
all these little elements that they put within the game and then the fact like I've mentioned already uh, tons here that it's just fun to play feels good Robocop does not feel as robotic when you're moving him it, I, that was one of my fears when I saw it I was like, oh it's gonna be slow plotting it is methodical in some ways but it's not that slow moving where it feels like you're kind of dragging along a tank it, it still feels like a modern shooter uh, and it has all those the, the Robocop dressings and all that good stuff it is it is a blast I, I am having an absolute fun time with it it's not very long I'm, I'm towards the end of the game already uh but it is a game that i'm playing and i have a smile on my face constantly because there's just the silliness and the over the top part of, uh, over the topness of the game is just it's just it's, it's great it's done perfectly and i love this game nice man um only question i have is would you buy it for a dollar well, buy it for a dollar is this uh oh you don't know that line come on me you're a robot cop guy man it's, a, it's the robot- commercial Oh, I I've watched the films, but I'm not a RoboCop fan. Oh, like I'm not like a I'm not sitting out here I'm not sitting out here watching RoboCop two and three, which are alert. horrible. <laughs> fraud alert! Everybody knows that one. Ah, uh, man, exposed. All right, exposed. Um, but no, but I I I I was never a huge fan of the movies themselves. But uh, I've watched them on TBS a whole bunch of times, man. They were on on cable all the time. But I, I uh, yeah, great game, man. I recommend for everybody who likes shooters, having fun. Just I, I definitely recommend this game. Nice. All right. But speaking of shooters, you have another item on your list here that's getting a lot of controversy, Pablo. But I'm curious to get your first take on what uh, you think of uh, this game. Talk about it. Yeah. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 got pretty much lambasted specifically by IGN about its campaign. I've only played the campaign a little bit. Um, You know, I I tweeted earlier today uh, that I was like, oh, I'm not sure what people were talking about when it came to the this being the worst campaign of all time and quickly thereafter I realized why people were saying that the, unfortunately the game opens oh, fortunately the game opens up really strong and it's 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 your normal call of duty fair um but then as you progress the game devolves into what you know for a fact that it was a game that was put together in the last minute. Basically, it's a massive, huge map. It almost looks like a Warzone map that they put out, and they put objectives strung about those things. And sometimes it takes a while to get to those objectives, and the maps are huge. They're not really well made. Therefore, enemies are coming at on all different directions. You don't know where they're coming from. And it just kind of feels you going from point A to point B and it's like taking forever to get there. I mean, you even have like the parachute on at all times so you can get into high places, jump down, go across. So I understand where people are coming from, where it doesn't really feel... One of the things with Call of Duty campaigns is you, you play these set these action pieces, right? Uh, and so basically you're going into this house and it's all dark and you have your night vision on, but that's all curated. That's all That's all like a set piece that's there for you to, to experience. So far, what I'm seeing with, with the campaign is that there's, there's barely any of that. It's just, hey, drop you into this big map, go to point B, to point C, to point D, and then those objectives turn into something else. And there's, ma- and there's enemies strung about everywhere and you don't know where they are they're, they're coming at you at all angles and it really just feels like you're playing a uh, war zone map with bots activated after a while and you're going to these 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 locations where, where you're these objectives and 
you're picking up an item and then you're moving on to the next. There's not really a lot of story there, uh, which which kind of it sucks because this is supposed to be like the 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 trilogy of of the Makarov and all that stuff that's happening with 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 whatever you know, whatever lore that that Call of Duty has, and it's supposed to be a very concentrated storytelling element, and it is it is just sparse when it comes to telling you that story, uh, and it, it it's kind of a disappointment. Now I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's the worst Call of Duty game I've ever played because it just feels like more Call of Duty. It feels unfocused. It definitely feels like they put it together in like a year. But other than that, I mean, if you like Call of Duty campaigns, if you like the way the shooting feels, all that good stuff, I mean, I, I would say I play it. I mean, try it out. I, I personally uh, don't like it because it does feel uh, very unfocused and it just it's not really fun to play. Uh, but I am looking forward to, to kind of try the multiplayer stuff, even though I've already seen that they're pulling multiplayer maps because of spawning issues. Uh, so this game is a a, a, a weird mess. Uh, and the weirdest thing of all is when you when you buy the game or, or when you get the game, however you, you you get the game, it shows up as DLC. So you have to download the packets that come, but you already have to have the Call, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 already installed. Uh, and I think they're doing kind of a game as service secretly because when the game it shows up, it just says Call of Duty. And within that, there's different different games in the menu. So um, yeah, it, it definitely feels exactly how people say it feels in terms of how, uh, the time frame that it was made in. Uh, it's not particularly... I don't. Th I think this is going to be a year. Obviously, that's going to be an off year for them. But it's still selling like crazy. It's still Call of Duty. I mean, there's not much else to be said about that. Well, plus I don't think the campaign really matters in the grand scheme. It's going to be more the multiplayer um, that's going to count more for like the longevity. Um, so I I don't know. If yeah, I don't know. If it, I mean, I know some people play it for the campaign. I know some people don't play it for the campaign. I guess is what I'm saying. So mileage will vary based on I guess I where guess. you stand on that. But my issue is, is that Activision in the past have have always led with with the single player. When they reveal a Call of Duty for the first time, it's the single player that they reveal. When they talk about Call of Duty, they talk about all the new things in the single player campaign. Every time they show an extended uh, cut of the game, it's single player. So the multiplayer is like they know it's the sure thing, so they're always trying to sell you on the single player. Uh, and you know. As a person that enjoys both the single player and the multiplayer, uh, depending on, on on the version of the game, which I'll play more or which I'll enjoy more, but this feel this really feels like they put this together. Like they couldn't do what they did with Black Ops Three again, which they just put out a multiplayer. So they they it does feel like very put together very quickly. So I I do agree though that I think that in terms of longevity, what they have to get right is the multiplayer. Uh, and so you know we'll see. I, I wonder what Xbox and Microsoft is going to do. Are they going to release a yearly product or are they going to do a two-year pause if they do a two-year pause as was intended before it's going to be interesting to see how they take this specific call of duty and an extended life cycle by another calendar year but we'll definitely see um I, I am excited to try the multiplayer um so uh we'll see i'll have more thoughts on that once i get into that uh but as it stands right now i think i i think everything you heard about the the single player maybe some tad exaggerations here or there it isn't very good and, and it's disappointing because last year's was was actually kind of fun you know they, they did a lot of interesting things and i thought they they don't build on any of those uh things it, it's a whole different experience it feels like Mm. Well, I will yeah. be uh, trying it out, uh, and I'll have some words on that next week as well. So we'll put a pin in that for now. And once we get some sure. more time under our belts there, we'll uh, chime back in and let people know what we're thinking. 
Uh, but let's go ahead and keep it rolling, Pablo. I'll tag in next, if you don't mind. Uh, I'll kind of kick things off with the next game because uh, really both of us have been, you know, big fans of this series for a while. Another game comes out in it. We're usually going to come check it out. And that is, of course, uh, Like a Dragon. Uh, and we have a new side story called Like a Dragon Gaiden, the main who erased his name. You said the uh, main? The main. <laughs> the main. Who That's hilarious. Um. And basically what it is, is it's a side story that that tells the tale of Kazuma Kiryu, who is a legendary uh, ex-Yakuza, and he's been the longtime protagonist of the series, basically. And, uh, you know, due to circumstances that happened throughout the course of the series, he ultimately had to fake his death and abandon his name to protect the ones he loves. And that's kind of where this game kicks off in terms of uh, showing you kind of the aftermath of that and also the events that lead up to some of the things we see in um, Like a Dragon um, with uh, Ichiban who is oh, yeah. the new protagonist of the game. So there's a lot of overlap there to show kind of what Love happened behind that. the That's scenes. Yeah. yeah. So coming into this, um, I will admit, even as a longtime fan, I, I was slightly burned out on the Yakuza formula because I felt like it was starting to get um, spread a little thin. Um, and, you know, it, it's a good problem to have because I guess the series was starting to become more well-known in, in the U.S., whereas in the last... 10 years, 15 years, it's always kind of been this niche title. Um, but, you know, this did spark my interest. And once it was announced for Game Pass, I knew I was in. Um, and I would say that despite a few lulls here and there, uh, I, I, I have finished the game. And I will say that I walked away from it feeling uh, more than satisfied with it, with the game. I think the story, the combat and the world are all very good. Um, and starting with story, I think it does a really good job of delving into the consequences of Kiryu's fake death. Um, also does a great job of introducing some good, solid uh, side characters that help drive the story forward. And like I said earlier, does a really good job of connecting the dots with what happened uh, with Like a Dragon and and the fate of the Yakuza as a whole. Um, it, <laughs> The ending uh, truly ends on an emotional note uh, that I think longtime fans of Kiryu will appreciate. Uh, I got I got choked up bad off of this man i wasn't oh, even wow, expecting it and and that doesn't happen to me really uh, at all um but this one i mean if if you if you know the story and you know what he's had to sacrifice and then you you see what the ending is uh you just you f- you feel you feel for him so much man it's <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a gut punch but it's like a one it's one that you can appreciate it doesn't feel gratuitous or like you know um they're just trying to go for the you know the heartstrings it does feel earned um and i i really enjoyed that a lot um Getting into the gameplay side real quick, I think mechanically speaking, um, might be the best combat mechanics, I think, in the series. Um, I think, to me, though, it, it is a little held back by just having two fighting styles. And I think both of them are, they're okay, but they're kind of mediocre. I, I feel like I've had better fighting styles in previous games, for sure. Um, in terms of quest structure, I think... Uh, this game, being that it you know is kind of a side story, it's not a particularly long game. Uh, it does also forego traditional side quests in favor of like quicker side content, which I actually didn't mind too much. It's it's kind of you know quick hits. It's nothing that that overstays its welcome. Um, it can feel a little padded at times though with a lot of that uh, scattered throughout the map. Um, so you know I, I didn't at a certain point I did stop. Um, but things like the side activities, like the golf, the cabarets, the pool, the karaoke stuff you can do, it's just as fun as ever. Um, but um, that leads me to presentation. 
I would say the biggest game changer here is the implementation of HDR. Uh, it is absolutely transformative. Uh, the locations that you're in, uh, you know, especially at night with the bright neon lights and uh, you know how loud and, and, and busy it is in, in those streets. And it comes to life even more with HDR. It just makes everything pop. It makes everything feel way more uh, engaging and interesting to look at. Um, also, the character models. I mean, you know, we give games like Alan Wake and Horizon a lot of credit. The, the character models are astonishingly detailed in this game, uh, and, and they're even more improved in this game for sure, um, to the point where I, I think Yakuza you know, is, is deserving of some flowers for the way that they, they render characters. It's just really good stuff. Um, I will say, though, it does look a little dated in some areas. Some of the areas and like objects in, in the world are still low res or plainly textured. Like you can tell like, oh, that's still from like the PS3 version of Yakuza yeah. or something. <laughs> uh, so they, they have some catching up to do, I think, for sure. Uh, and in terms of sound, uh, the, the voice acting on the Japanese side is great. Uh, that's all it comes with right now. Uh, but the one downside with sound, though, is it does rehash a lot of like um, music and songs from previous games. So you'll go, oh, I kind of remember that, that like, oh, that, that, that's the, that's the music they always play when a side quest is about to kick in. It's yeah, like, the, yeah. wow, wow, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. same thing. Um, that sounded like a porn song the way that it's, I did. That's what it sounds around. like though. Is but that, it does. Yeah. It does. It's, yeah. that's how quirky this series is though. But I will say, you know, just to close, um, you know, it's, it's a, maybe a 10 to 12 hour game. It doesn't overstay its welcome, which I appreciate. And, but it still feels like surprisingly cohesive and complete. It really does. It doesn't feel like it's just like strung together. Like, uh, this is DLC that we're just going to call a, you know, a standalone game. It does feel, it is shorter, but it does feel like, okay, that ended in a satisfying way. And, um, despite a couple of moments of padding, I think it does a really good job uh, for what it is. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. I know you've, you've played it for a little bit, Pablo, any thoughts so far? Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I, I really haven't gotten too far into it. Uh, but so far, what I've played, I, I, I agree visually uh, with the HDR. Just kind of the lights shining off like puddles and, and the street and all that stuff. That that shit looks amazing. Uh, and then uh, just the gameplay. Uh, it kind of feels good to be back in that kind of uh, beat em up uh, style yeah. as opposed to the turn-based, which I like that they have both. You know, uh, you know, in the Lost Judgment, that's their spin-off game, has that. So I don't think that the, that the main series needs to go back to, to, to the beat em up. But I, I do like that they keep coming back to it when they need to. And I, and I really do enjoy that. I, I like the I like the combat. Um, the, the whole kind of spider fighting stance with the whole kind of the, the whip and all that stuff. That, oh, like that's the, the like, agent. It's like an agent. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but, it's yeah. weird and out of place, but yeah, it's so fun to use. It's I, like semi 007 ish because like you, you yeah. unlock some stuff the more you play where it's like you get gadgets, you know? Right, it's like, right, oh, right. this is this is totally up 007's alley right here. Yeah, because yeah, that's basically the kind of character he's playing now. He's yeah. like, he's, he's, he's using his death to go undercover to kind of, you know, protect us, the, 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 the orphanage he has by doing these these jobs so people could keep his secret even though he's supposed to be like secretly dead so many people know he's alive <laughs> yeah. uh but regardless, I mean, the quirkiness of the series it lives through on this, and I and I and I love it. Uh, Kiryu is one of my favorite characters in video games of all time. Period, and this doesn't disappoint. Like he's still that stoic kind of badass. Uh, I, I love some of the line deliveries when people are asking him some questions. I mean, it, all this shit is 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 fire. I, I love all of it. I did have a technical issue, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I went on Reddit, and it's pretty widespread for whatever reason on Xbox Series X specifically. 
some games will not let you get past the the chapter one splash card. It turns off your Xbox Series X and it says that the game that the system is overheating. Uh, no matter if you turned it on just now, it, it, that's something that constantly happens. The only way that I find found that I could get around it is by uninstalling the game, playing streaming the game past the first chapter uh, splash screen and then re-downloading the game and playing it. I've had no issues other than that. So if anybody runs into that on the Xbox Series X, there is the, the, the cloud streaming if you're playing it off of Game Pass. It's it's not ideal. It's actually kind of a terrible glitch because it is, in fact, game-breaking. You can't pass that point. But, I mean, I, it, to get to that splash screen, it's not it's it's maybe five minutes of your time, you know, if that. So, uh, just for kind of anybody hearing this and kind of running into that issue, it is a known issue. They are working on it. Uh, it's something to do with HDR, as a matter of fact, which is was weird. Uh, but anyway, other than that, yeah, I, I still have a lot to go here. I'm very excited to kind of get in more of the story. I've already seen some some um, some areas that I visited in like a Dragon Seven from from two years ago that are showing up here uh which i took a picture of like the tent where uh this dude should be laying up at right by the yeah. time so i like that crossover it's so it's so good they, they they do they do such a good job with it uh even though you rehash the same areas you rehash from the previous game th- within the new context and then within uh, kiryu's pov is is very smartly put together i really like the way that they're doing that uh and i can't wait for more and then you know i i'm i'm always all in on 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 yakuza series games and so i can't wait for this and i can't wait for for next year's infinite wealth so i'm into it i'll, I'll probably talk about it once i finish it which probably be by next week uh but so far so good quick question for you uh just in terms of side quests and spinoffs do you like did you like gaiden better than the kaito files from lost judgment or is kaito files still probably your, your favorite in terms of mm. that kind of oh man that's gonna be tough because um I would say I, I kind of like. Oh boy, that's hard. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, I'll say this: I think that because of how impactful uh, Gaiden is for the 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 story to come, I think it's 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 so much more essential to play it than it right. was playing the Kaito Files. I think they're both really fun. Um, and the Kaito Files is 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 for those of you who don't know, it's. It's a DLC that came out for uh, Lost Judgment, which is a game that that's set in the same world as yeah. Like a Dragon. Um, they're both great, but I, I give I give the nod to this one. I think I think Kaito Files is more fun. I think this is more essential narratively. Right. And, and Kaito Files does something that we thought was impossible, which is make uh, the character Kaito interesting. And actually yeah. give him a little bit more to do than he did in those games. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know yet myself, obviously, because I haven't finished Gaiden. But I'm interested to kind of c- compare and contrast contrast here uh, in terms of, of, of these two kind of titles. But yeah, can't wait, man. Yakuza right. Like a Dragon, that shit is fucking fire. If you've never played a, a game like that, everybody is going to tell you to start with Zero and absolutely start there. But try to make your way through the series, man. The Kaito... The, sorry, the, um, the Kiryu storyline all the way to 6 is... It's going to be a hassle to get there, but it is so much. It's worth it, man. It, uh, like a Dragon, I mean, uh, uh, Yakuza 6, it ends so beautifully. And I love that they're continuing that as well. So it's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, last but not least, uh, we have Alan Wake 2. We've been talking yeah. about this game for, I think this is the third week in a row now. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest. I, I have put this game on hold 
first and foremost, to play Like a Dragon Gaiden, uh, which we just talked about, but also because I just think that right now, technically speaking, there's just not enough patches that have moved the needle for me to want to keep going right now. Yeah, yeah. So, full disclosure, I'm I'm kind of backing away until I feel like it's better, um, it, it's it's in a better state to play it. Uh, but you actually managed to roll credits on it, so I did. I'm mm-hmm. curious to get some, some final thoughts from you before we move on. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, Alan Wake 2 for me is probably one of the most unique narrative experiences I've ever played. They take huge swings and they land a lot of them. They don't land some. Uh, the passion behind the world building and the absolute weirdness injected into the story can be perceived as pretentious. Uh, but it feels more like a, con- a concerted effort to tell a story in the most unique way possible while trying to buck all narrative trends. And I think that they do that really well. Uh, other games want to wire you with set pieces, and Alan Wake has plenty of those, or gameplay moments, and Alan Wake also has some of those. But Alan Wake 2 isn't really interested in that as their core mechanic. They want to, to they want to wire you with like mind-bending logic, uh, like logic questioning story moments. And I think within that world and within the world that they've built, it really works really well it's not even about how the story ends for them it's more about all the different ways you can tell that story and i think that's i think that's interesting i can appreciate those things and absolutely champion this approach i think more games should take more narrative uh chances games are getting more mature stories are getting more mature and then i I like that the the weirdness of certain stories are being told here um and i and i encourage creators to kind of you know take those real chances big swings things like that other creators would not even attempt because they want to keep a narrative uh arc that is known to us in terms of how we play games however whether i think remedy did something special i do but does that mean that i liked it um i i I don't. I, I, I don't really like the story and where it ends up. I think that the final line that Alan Wake says is interesting in terms of where the game is going next. He says a line at the end of Alan Wake 1, which is not a lake, it's an ocean. I'm not going to tell you what he said in Alan Wake 2 for spoiler reasons, but it's an interesting kind of where, where they're going next. However, the journey that I took to get there is just filled with with so many moments that they created with the narrative that they don't really tie him really nicely with the bow. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that are left open or a lot of things that end way too quickly. The ending comes at you at a neck break speed. Like all of a sudden I'm in the end game and the way that, that Alan Wake and Saga work together to, to finish this doesn't really... Uh, doesn't really work for me because everything is so methodically planned out and when you get to that ending it's like boom you're there already um and then the ending itself is a little pretentious it's a little bit kind of going the way of inception to not spoil it but at the end of the day it's it's a weird dichotomy for me because i i did enjoy the moments of the game there are certain things that happen within that game that would have never happened in any other game However, the as a package, as a whole, I think the gameplay takes a step back from control. I think that the we've already spoken about this, but some of the the writing and some of the performances hold the game back, even in the most in the most important moments of the game. And so, as a, an entire package. I really enjoy Alan Wake 2. I really enjoyed my time with it. I think that it is a fun experience. But did I love 
the game the way I thought I was going to love it as a sequel to Alan Wake, as a sequel to Control, as a continuation of that entire world that they're building. It just, it didn't really work for me. And that's kind of, it's it's kind of where I stand with the game, where I want to sit here and be like, oh, it's one of the most mind-blowing narratives I've ever, and 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 I, it is, but that doesn't mean it's good. And I, and I go back to, and I go back to people who know me, this triggers me. I go back to Nolan films. Nolan does this quite a bit, where he'll tell a, a, a good story, but he'll tell it backwards he'll tell a a a a story about science but the science is pseudoscience it doesn't really make any sense when you think about it and those that's kind of what alan wake feels to me if if alan wake 2 was like hey this was actually uh uh, christopher nolan consulted on alan wake 2 i'd be like yeah that makes sense because they're more interested in blowing your mind with with some of the things that happen but don't really explain the logic that is needed to kind of make you understand why it's happening. And so, for me, Alan Wake 2 is 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 a great game with with so many things going against it that it kind of takes it down to just mean an interesting experience. I do think that Sam Lake should be getting more credit as a visionary within kind of the same space as Hideo Kojima. I don't think he gives a fuck about like what a narrative should be. He wants to tell this kind of story. He's going to tell it. I, I do I do appreciate that about him. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just a game that, that, that doesn't come together in ways that it needed to come together. And for that, I can respect it, but I don't love it. Yeah, I mean that that confirms some suspicions of mine, but um, you know, it it's I'm I am still happy for Remini. You know, they're winning they're winning some game of the year awards already. Mm-hmm. They're they're definitely getting recognized and it's it's definitely clicking with with a lot of people. I think we are in the minority, but um I wouldn't say the extreme minority. I mean, there are people that have come forward um and have echoed a lot of what uh, you you just said now what I was saying last week in terms of the gameplay and in terms of the writing and uh, especially the technical state of the game. I think yeah, I, I, I applaud yeah. yeah I applaud the ambition uh, for sure, but I think that in a way, um, in in this could be a good or a bad thing depending on how you feel about it. But it's just not the sequel I was expecting to get. Um, no. And, you know, take that for what you will. Um, I'm going to come back to it for sure. But again, what I said before is what I say now. I'm going to come back when it's ready to be played. Um, I'm not going to fight through any more progression stopping bugs. I'm not going to fight through, you know, lip syncing being off. I want the basics to be uh, intact for before I can really treat this game the way it wants to be treated and taking yeah. taking it seriously too i just can't do it right now so yeah um but you know um i'll circle back to it when the time is right and i'll, I'll report back but uh you know that but, is uh interesting takeaways though but i will say I, I am interested in more alan wake i am interested in that world with control sequel and all that they they that stuff is still interesting enough to where i'm still in on their next game it's just that this one didn't work for me the way i wanted it to yeah that's unfortunate man that's mm-hmm. unfortunate but uh Nevertheless, that is going to do it for Loadouts this week. It's time to get into our very jam-packed news segment this week that we call Hit Points. Let's get started. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, man. No use ignoring the elephant in the room. Uh, So why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first and uh, biggest news item that we have on the docket this week by far. Talk about it. Hello? That's the news that's dominated all week long. It's Rockstar Games has announced that the first trailer for Bully 2, no, I'm kidding, for Grand Theft Auto 6 will be released in early December. So uh, now that we know that the, the reveal is coming upon us fairly uh, soon in, in December, uh, what are the three most important keys to success for Grand Theft Auto 6, Marco? Um, 
So, you know, thinking about this, I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say they want this game to last a very, very long time, much, probably even more than GTA V did. So I, I think that there's, there's they're going to have to approach this game very differently um, than they did with GTA V in order to make that happen. I think the first thing that has to happen is when it comes to the open world, I think it has to be a dynamic and organically changing open world, a la like Fortnite. When Fortnite has its seasons, the the whole land and, and landscape changes, buildings come and go, uh, new regions, new new this, new that. I think that kind of thing has to be a major component of this game to keep it interesting. It almost has to be like an MMO like structure. Let me, uh, to be honest with you. I, sorry to interject, but when you're yeah. saying this, you mean like in the single player aspect? I mean both. I mean because okay. I I think both are going to be very much interlinked more now than ever. Uh, I I think they're going to be very closely tethered. Um, So, yeah, I think that whatever happens in the online universe is going to happen in the offline universe is what I'm basically theorizing Mm. here. Um, And I say that because of the next thing. Um, I think that key number two is that single player expansions have to be an important part of the long term plan, just as much as the online expansions. Um, If you're going to build online, you should build offline. Um, they should, I, I think they can and should and will go back to kind of what they did with, uh, you know, GTA four with the, you know, the Ballad of Gay Tony and, you know, uh, those, those types of lost, of big, the lost in the dam, that kind of thing. I think that's going to be a big part of this as well, because, um, there's no reason to leave the single player community, um, high and dry, um, when you can cash in on them too, in the next 10, 15 years. Um, so why why stop at just making great GTA Online content when you can satisfy both portions of the community and make and keep making money, um, a la what an MMO does? Um, so that's kind of my reoccurring theme here. Um, and I think that the third key, and this is you know it might sound surface level, but I think it's important. I think that there has to be minimal concessions when it comes to visuals and presentation. We know this game's going to be massive. I don't want it to look one tick better than GTA V does right now on on PS5 and Xbox Series, right? I I want it to look like the way that Red Dead Redemption 2 made us go, oh my God. Like, I I think that 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 has to be a a big part of this. This needs to feel next gen. And I'll even go a step further. Even if it has to be 30 frames per second to accomplish that, I think the, the wow factor of having a game that looks so incredibly lifelike that it's just like uh, this might be the most important game of all time like that kind of takeaway i think you you take the frame rate hit if if it means you get that kind of reaction from people and then you know hey if there's like a ps5 pro or the, the you know it let, let's be real gta 6 is coming to the next wave of consoles too then Absolutely. you can give us the give us the 60 frames then i think you got to go for wow factor visually and presentation wise here to, for this to be like a a, a big game changer compared yeah. to gta 5 but what are your what are your thoughts see i i i here's the thing before i get into my three i think that gta online is so massive that they aren't going to abandon abandon that i think what they're going to do with that is more or less like release a 2.0 same map and then add the map that they have for the new game onto that as well so i think that's that's just kind of where i'm at because it's like migrating from from gta online from the from from five to to six i don't know if they want to do that 
I, I don't care either way because that's not that's not the reason why I play these games. So my three are very specific to the single player experience. So the first one for me is is the story. I, I think that we've seen in the past with with Grand Theft Auto Five and Four and, and Three and Vice City and, and, and San Andreas. Tonally, they're 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 sometimes different. Some lean a little more serious. Some lean a little more goofy. I think that where we are right now and looking at what what Rockstar has done with their writing, I don't think they're very good anymore when it comes to being, uh, when they're spoofing things or when they're kind of commentary on certain things. I want this game to be kind of more like Grand Theft Auto 4 in terms of its story, a little more gritty, a little bit more something to say, something that's a little more, way more interesting than, than three former, um, three former, uh, criminals trying to, to, get away from a life of crime which was which is interesting with Grand Theft Auto 5 but I think the story of an immigrant coming in and kind of finding his way and the story about revenge with with Nico and, and with Grand Theft Auto 4 that's more way interesting to me I want that I want like a darker grittier more uh serious tone when it comes to the story itself they the, the silliness can go into the multiplayer stuff they want to do that and then characters I, I think that the characters uh, there's been rumors about being female character and male character probably they're, they're most likely going to switch off I want them to to be I want them to be dynamic and I want them to be different enough to where we feel like we're playing two different players. So we feel like when we're playing this game that we play the game differently based on how they they structured those characters. I, I want I want to feel like I'm role playing two different characters while I'm playing within the world. That even what that means with what I'm doing within the world. Kind of what they did with Trevor and what they did with, with Franklin a little bit where those two were, were really different. Franklin really wanting to be kind of like go straight and Trevor just being a, a psycho. But go a little deeper within that story that serious more um that, that, that more grounded story that i want from them and then ultimately i agree with you with, with the open world they revolutionized the grand theft auto 3 what open world games are and they continue to add more to that they they've continued to make these massive worlds uh that that are amazing when, when you look at grand theft when you look at uh red dead redemption 2 and the stories that happen and, and the gameplay moments that happen outside of the main story and these little things that happen organically i want that to be like what this game is i want i want to also be able to enter more buildings i want the world to be way more dynamic other than it just being kind of like a a movie set right where it's like all these huge buildings and all that but you can't really do much with it outside of that so i kind of think that they need to nail all those three things within the single player to really kind of elevate it will i play it no matter what absolutely i will I'll always play it but in terms of how long it took between five and six and kind of the reputation that the studio has with their open world games they need to surpass within that time frame but all those other open worlds have come out they've been amazing they have to now surpass those open world games and take back their title of being the the, the tastemaker when it comes to to open world games that's kind of how i feel about where they need to be do you think it's coming out next year yeah, I mean, I think it took long enough for them to announce it. I think the fact that they're announcing it at the very end of this year, uh, I think that'll come out late next year. I think it'll be like yeah, a fall too. 2024 game. And there is a possibility that it gets delayed to, to spring 2025. But uh, yeah. I think that they... they 
they played this really close to the chest. Leaks everywhere. They had that massive leak like last year, uh, but they've never out. They still haven't said Grand Theft Auto Six, even when they said, "Hey, we're going to be talking about the newest entry of Grand Theft Auto." Like they're still keeping that close to the chest. So I really do think that uh, they're ready, and 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 I think whatever's left in terms of of, of development is, is is purely going to be a polish. And I think next year we'll we'll, we'll be playing a Grand Theft Auto game. Uh, hopefully, Grand Theft Auto Six. Yeah, I I think it's coming out next year too. The one thing that I'm I'm curious about is if they if if it's going to be launching day and date single player and multiplayer. I wonder if maybe campaign comes out first, maybe the multiplayer is the thing that comes out after and cuz they you want know, to that avoid people- that yeah, that, that launch from the original five that was terrible. The online, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they can you know beta test the the multiplayer in that point and give it more time under the in the in the crock pot. You know, <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it, There's... I'm I'm curious about what they're going to do with the rollout. That that's that's got me really really curious. Yeah, and I guess a lot of that has hinges on what the game is. Is it a set piece? Uh, a, a period piece? Because they're, they're saying possibly Vice City again. Uh, are they, are they, is the game taking place in different times, which would kind of, uh, kind of, uh, you know, to what you're talking about, changing the, the world based on, on time passing, because that's also been rumored. The stupid rumor I heard is the main character of Bully being the main character of No, Death I mean, the, the, the leaks that, that, that happened last year gave a lot of that, that stuff away. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to say too much for people that tried to avoid it, but yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of that's just like, no. No, that's not happening. But I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see exactly what they do. It's... I think we... It's it's, it's been like... It's the it's the one tweet that got the most views of, 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 of any video game ever. Uh, yeah. And I think Marco said that this is probably the most anticipated game of all time. I think that's 100% right. Even if you're not a fan... Like, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Grand Theft Auto V. And I can't think of a game that I'm more excited for and anticipating more next year than Grand Theft Auto VI. I mean, nothing even comes close. There's some bangers coming and nothing comes close. I guess I gave away kind of my... <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. Uh, but we do need to talk about another game uh, that is in the works, or is it? We don't know. But hey, look, Bioware has teased the next Mass Effect with a cryptic video back on N7 Day, uh, which showed a uh, person wearing N7 attire walking through a hallway going somewhere. Who are they? Where are they going? We don't know. All we do know (laughs) is that Bioware's Michael Gamble said on X that, quote, not everything is as it seems, end quote. Now, on BioWare's website, a hidden transcription was uncovered, which shows some sort of distress signal transcript from the Andromeda Galaxy, which is where the fourth game took place. Now, it's also important to note that amid all this N7 Day stuff that we got for the next Mass Effect, that um, the game still isn't in production yet. And that uh, Jeff Grubb, Industry Insider, also heard that the new game won't release until 2028 or 2029. So, Pablo, with all that context in mind, what did this teaser do for you, and how do you feel about this marketing rollout? Pointless, silly, and it did nothing for me. I I love Mass Effect, and I can't wait for Bioware to redeem themselves from Andromeda. But what are they doing? I mean, they're just kind of rehashing the same thing they did with Dragon Age, uh, where they, they announced it too soon and had nothing to show for it for many, many, many years. And they're doing the same thing here. Look, I... 
I, I get N7 Day, but in the past, N7 Day has just been kind of like, hey, here's a fucking toy you can buy or something that's been kind of low-key. <laughs> I don't know why they felt compelled, especially with their uh, a new Dragon Age coming out next year, to, to even give us this. And then the fact that it's not even in full production, comes out, it may come out in 2028, 2029, you're drumming up all this hype. For nothing, because within a week's time, two weeks' time, it's going to dissipate. Nobody's going to remember this shit in, in in four or five years. I mean, there's, there was a launch trailer two years ago that I, I had to remember. I, I thought that I made it up. I couldn't even, I couldn't <laughs> even uh, not a launch trailer, a reveal trailer, where I couldn't yeah. even, I had to look it up and it was real. And I, I something, as a huge Mass Effect fan, I couldn't even remember that they already did this. So I just felt weird, and it just feels like, yeah, hey, we're still working on this game. But it just, the fact that they showed gameplay and then they said it's in engine it's like you're making it seem like this game is coming soon but in reality it's not coming out till 2028 2029 and i don't understand what the reasoning is behind all this is we got so many examples of so many companies xbox in particular uh announcing games so early and that shit just backfiring on them so hard so it's just it just felt like i think it's a misstep by bioware to, to even talk about the next uh mass effect in this way without it even being in full production so i don't know yeah well i know I, I and I, I know you're right. Um, so so here's the thing, and, and I agree with everything you said. I I want to kind of give more like weight to this like 2029 window, right? Because you think about it, we're in 2023 right now, 2029, right? So five ish six years, right? Here's all the things that can happen between now and 2029. Bioware can end up getting completely disintegrated, right? They already went through layoffs. They might be they might be gone, right, in, in the next six years. It's possible. EA could be sold off, which could change the, the entire pipeline of future EA titles if they get acquired by somebody else, right? Uh, staff turnover is, is assuredly going to happen in the next six years. So this, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael Gamble? or yeah, yeah. yeah, Michael Gamble. He might be gone in the next six years. So yeah, thanks for the quote, buddy. I hope you're <laughs> around six years from now so you can make sure you, you tell us what you meant when you said that thing in 2023. You know what I mean? So silly. Um, you know, what else can happen in, in, in the next six years? I don't know. The, the entire project story and premise can change completely from what you're teasing right now, right? All this, oh, who is this person under the mask? They might get to a point when they do finally decide to start developing this game where they're like, uh, actually, let's just scrap that entire concept completely and do something totally Which different. Which almost would assuredly happen. Because that's what happens in video games, right? So it all comes back to what was the benefit of showing this now when there are those kinds of variables that can happen between now and 2029 that can make this game dramatically different or Worst case scenario, God forbid, non-existent. If if one thing leads to another, and so there there is no redeeming benefit to this other than just, uh, you know, putting a pacifier in the mouths of the the Mass Effect community, um, and just kind of giving them this 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 stuff to kind of you know well uh, you know look into the the, the code of the website. Why, <laughs> if if it's going to be this long of a wait, why? I don't care what your website says right now. Make the game. Yeah. Put it in production. How about that? And then I'll care because like I'm going to be in my my mid 40s when this game comes out. And, and then, like what are we doing here? And the the advancement of technology and graphical output and then you saying that this this clip was in engine 
I was like, okay, what does that mean in five years? Yeah, like, you know, like, there's going to be a whole new batch of consoles when this game comes out. It's yeah. not going to matter that this was an engine. It's so silly, dude. It's so yeah. silly. But, you know, look, I mean, we're still Mass Effect fans at the end of the day. And I, I want to throw a hypothetical. It, because if I were to say, what, what, what game are you more excited for, GTA 6 or Mass Effect 5? I think all things considered, we both probably say GTA 6, right? But I, I let's say that Bioware was on point. And let's say that... GTA 6 and Mass Effect 5 in a fictitious world. This would never happen in reality. But let's say they came out on the same day next year. Let's just say, hypothetically, they're both coming out the same day. What would be the game that you're most looking forward to? It what would would, so- what, or what would, you, what would you play first if you had to choose? You got, they're both on your dashboard. You got to yeah. pick one to play first. What are you going with? Well, if you know me, I'll be playing both at the same damn time. But no, no. You um, can't do that. No, no. It's Grand Theft Auto 6 for me. I, I think okay. if we took the hypothetical even further and said, hey, let's say Grand Theft Auto 6 delivered the best Grand Theft Auto 6 they possibly can, and Mass Effect 5 delivered the best Mass Effect 5 they possibly can, then it'd be Mass Effect 5. In terms of like... The best that this game could possibly be in terms of what our expectations are, even though Grand Theft Auto 6 is surpasses our expectations and Mass Effect 5 is in line to do the same, at that point it would be Mass Effect 5. I think Mass Effect 5, the best Mass Effect 5 you can ever think of coming out and being amazing and incredible, is mm-hmm. always going to be just about any other game ever, period. That's just that's just the way these things are for me. But knowing what we know about kind of Bioware and know what we know about Rockstar, even though 5 wasn't my favorite, I have to still stick with my guns and say Grand Theft Auto 6 being the game that I'm the most, uh, I'm looking forward to the most just because I'm, I almost know what I'm going to get. Even at, even at its worst, Grand Theft Auto 5, for me personally, holy shit, that's amazing that I'm mm. that at its worst. But at its worst, Bioware, Anthem, Andromeda, like right. they can get really bad. They can get really down in the shits and, and, and deliver some shit. So I, I, I'd still say Grand Theft Auto Six, just kind of uh, covering all of the bases. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's actually what, what I was going to say too. Uh, if I had to go GTA Six versus Mass Effect Five, I'd go GTA Six because Rockstar at their worst is still far better than what we've seen Bioware do at their worst. Yeah, oh, by not even far, close. it's not even close. So yeah, I, I think that. Um, on their worst day, I would still pick GTA 6. And I'm more of a Mass Effect fan. You know, I, I, that, yeah, that is, you know, take a look at my all-time list. You'd be like, yeah, he's a Mass Effect guy. Um, but it's just like, yeah, man, uh, Bioware just is unrecognizable and weird to me at this point. Uh, between what they're doing with Dragon Age, what they're not doing yet with Mass Effect 5, uh, it's just hard to kind of believe in, in, in what they're doing and believe in the vision. Um, and the, the timeline. I mean, I know games take a long time to develop, but I yeah, guess yeah, that's yeah. all the more reason why like, we didn't need to see this now. Um, but yeah, best case scenario, if it was like, t- you know, best of the best GTA 6 we can get, best of the best Mass Effect 5 we can get, I would, I would go the same route as you. Mass Effect would be my pick. And I will but. say one small caveat to this. When Jeff Grubb announced what he, what, what he said, what he said, he meant that the same time frame that it took to develop uh, a Dragon Age. Now, we all know Dragon Age did have a moment where it got a, it kind of got restarted. So yeah. I don't know where that is. So maybe this game is coming out sooner than 2028, but I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend on when they get Dragon Age done and they can yeah. move that team over to make the Ma- uh, Mass Effect uh, game. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we don't even have a release date on that yet. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay. Next, they said needs next to make year, but move. maybe not, which is crazy. Yeah. They say things. They sure do. Um, but why don't we go ahead and move on, Pablo? You got the next news item, so why don't you go ahead and kick us off, please? 
Well, it seems that Sony is officially pumping the brakes on Games as Service as they announced that they are delaying half of their live service projects. During a recent earnings call, Sony president Hiroki Totoki confirmed that Bungie's rigorous review of Sony's uh, Games as Service projects resulted in several games being pushed back due to quality concerns. Start, uh, stating of the 12 titles, quote, six titles will be released by, by FY, by fiscal year 25. That's our plan. As for the remaining six uh, titles, we are still working on that end quote among those games in questions is the last of us two factions which is apparently still in development according to not exile game director vinit how do you say that name marco vinit uh, agarwal Ag- i don't know Aguar, yeah so let's take a temperature check on uh, the state of uh, sony's game and service initiative something we talked about a lot on this show and what this means for us and what the future may hold for sony yeah so i think that this news um definitely to me corroborated a lot of my concerns about the departure of Jim Ryan. Um, I think that Jim Ryan, it's one thing to go for games of service as an initiative. It's another thing entirely, though, to brute force the games of service initiative to the point where quality is becoming uh, an issue. And, um, you know, it's it's um, it's fortunate that, you know, Mr. Totoki san has recognize that and has made that executive decision to say wait 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 let's let's not let's not rush out of the gate with 12 flops let's <laughs> let's try to let's try to order our footsteps a little bit better let's take our time and get these things right i guess the problem with that is and a lot of people kind of misread this news as thinking oh games of service is done at sony it's not it's just being kind of done more methodically now um and that creates a couple of issues. I think issue number one is that's six less games that are coming out for PlayStation um, before fiscal year 2025. So now the problem becomes, what does this mean for the first party software drought? Um, how much longer are we going to be waiting for new first party games to play on yeah. on our PlayStations? Right. Um, the second issue is still Bungie to me. Um, Bungie still, for some strange ass reason, is the tastemaker for all things games of service in a way that I think is is still problematic. And obviously, I'm not there. I don't know the inner workings of how they, you know, collaborate and and how they reviewed each of these live service titles. But the reality is, is that Bungie is at this point in in, in no position to judge anybody with how bad things are going with Destiny Two right now, and the fact that they just had to lay off a bunch of their team because they didn't meet their astronomical uh, projections for Destiny 2 this year. Um, so who are they to judge? You know what I mean? Um, so I, th- I still think that is that is going to be a big, big issue with the titles that are still in development. Um, third of all, I I think what ends up happening with, with Factions 2 is going to be very telling. Um, I'm glad on one hand to hear that it's still alive and it's still in development. I guess I'm concerned uh, about how much love is going to be able to be given to it in its development. Is it just going to get sent to die? Is that what's going to happen? Because it's not games of service enough, but they don't want the PR hit of saying that a Last of Us project is canceled. So let's just chuck it out there and let's just watch it rot in front of people. Is that what they're going to do? Or are they actually going to give Naughty Dog the ability to make the multiplayer game they want to make according to their vision and not Bungie's vision? Like, what's going to happen? I I think what ends up happening with Factions 2 is going to determine a lot about what we should or should not expect their games of service strategy to to 
accomplish yeah. in the next couple of years. So I would watch that one, even if you're not a big fan of that game, if you are a PlayStation person, Factions 2 should be circled on your calendar whenever it does come out, because that'll that'll be a very informative game about their strategy. Um, one thing I forgot to add here is that uh, Hiroki Totoki who is the interim CEO of PlayStation right now. Oh, right. He's hold, he's holding that position for the next year. Like he is not walking away from that spot for a while. So this also falls on him too, with how things are going to transpire with games of service and what his ideal next regime for PlayStation is going to do to follow what he wants done. Um, I can only speak in vague terms right now about that because I don't know what he wants to do with it. Right. But that's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on as well. So there's just a lot of stuff that, that the paint has to dry um, for us to really see what kind of PlayStation we're going to be getting in the next three to five years. And that's really scary as somebody who loves PlayStation as much as I do. There's just a lot of looming questions and a lot of very big concerns about the direction of this company, the people running the company, what they want, what their goals are. Uh, and it's just getting it's getting exhausting for me at this point. Um, but, you know, I, I'll turn it over to you. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, too. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, pretty much everything you said. I, I will say, though, uh, I, I am a little surprised that they are so quickly announcing that they are pumping the brakes on the initiative. You know, it's it's still it's a failure as a for the company as a whole. And the fact that they're double backing on it so quickly is 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 weird but also i mean it, it goes to show how 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 kind of desperate they are to get out of of the hole that jim ryan has put them in so um yeah i mean all, all this is is it continues just to be sony doing the weirdest shit possible and just kind of in front of our eyes seemingly reeling and trying to grasp at the next big thing and it's just it's keeps slipping away from them and yet on the other side they're selling more consoles than they ever sold in their whole entire uh lives <laughs> and it's it's just that's such a weird kind of dichotomy between what's actually happening and what's happening in, the, in, in behind the scenes and you know it, it's 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 weird, and I, I don't, and, um, and to kind of talk about a little bit of a of, of faction soup. I have at this point, I have zero, uh, I have zero faith in that game just because of what we know has have been going has been happening Naughty Dog and how everybody's been kind of concerned about the the game as service approach and now the fact that it's still in development I wonder how much are we going to get of it how stripped of a version of Faction 2 are we going to get is it just going to be the multiplayer that we always thought we were going to get or is it going to be like the Destiny like that they've hinted at before so there's so many questions left to be answered and with the fact that that Sony is seemingly pumping the brakes on that approach I very I, there's no way that we're gonna get that vision uh, in in our consoles at all. So it's a very fucked up situation that I don't I don't know where they go from here. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, Japan kind of playing it close to the chest and kind of just taking over, kind of rights the ship a little bit. But we'll see what happens there in the future, man. But this is it's just the the hits keep on coming for Sony. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. It is wild to see that 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 weird, you know internal confusion but commercial success is so strange but it also shows how many people don't 
don't pay attention to any of this behind the scenes stuff at all. And they're just, they're, I want to get that PlayStation Five, man. Yeah, that's all they want. It's 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 it shows you that like this hardcore community that's so loud and obnoxious. We are so small in the grand scheme of things, dude. People just want to buy a console they want, and yeah. they don't care anything about all this stuff and, behind the scenes, man. And Sony's smart because Sony's usually very hush about everything, and they're like, yo, we're selling shit out the ass. It don't matter what we say. Let's just go ahead and put all this information <laughs> out there. That way, the we have the semblance of, of transparency out. Uh, uh, and nobody can say otherwise, but fucking hell, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, but speaking of crazy, Pablo, that brings us to our final uh, news item here. And I'm curious to see how crazy all this sounds to you, because Nintendo has greenlit a live action movie of The Legend of Zelda. In a weird twist of events, Sony and Nintendo are co-financing this film uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto being one of the producers, along with Avi Arad, who is known for producing the Spider-Man films, but he also produced some questionable films like Morbius, Venom, Ghost Rider, and also the not-so-terrible Uncharted film. Uh, the Maze Runners film director, Wes Ball, is set to direct it, uh, but other than that, no details have been given at this time about which game, if any, uh, will serve as the inspiration uh, at this point. So, Pablo, you are... Zelda McGee, as they say, uh, are you surprised as a Zelda fan that this is happening and it's live action? Uh, and would you say you're more concerned or excited for this film? Yeah, I'm surprised that it's live action and I am concerned beyond uh, beyond reproach because I mean, honestly, I Zelda itself innately is quite silly. You know, when you look at Link's character model and you look at all the sto the stories that are being told and, and the Gorons and the Zoras, all that shit is is, is is kind of silly, but it works within the, the context of Zelda as a video game. So I always thought if they're going to uh, if they're going to kind of jump on the whole Mario bandwagon that they're going to go ahead and do a uh, a animated film, but they've decided to go live action. The reason why I'm concerned, obviously, besides what I said, is that this doesn't feel like a creative and artistic approach this feels more like a let's go ahead and now keep making money off our ip because mario did so mario had made 1.3 billion dollars and the reason i said that is because of the talent behind it you have west ball who has only directed the maze runner films and not much else he's gonna he also directed the the new uh, planet of the apes movie that comes out next year we'll see how that turns out but this is all he's directed then you have the likes of Derek connelly who's writing the the film and he's only written the jurassic world movies the the king skull island movies uh and 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 he wrote some of star wars the rise of skywalker now if you look at the theme here you look at west ball who's only directed big huge budget kind of uh of films and then you look at the writer Connolly, who's only written huge massive summer blockbuster type of films it just leads to me that they're they're trying to get people who are experienced in writing and creating these kind of huge budget films to kind of come out and, and be a a a a, 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 the next summer blockbuster. The talent behind this is not promising at all. There's no, I don't see anybody behind the scenes here besides Miyamoto that is has anything worth of substance to kind of give to the series other than I make big movies, let's make a big movie. And when you look at even West Ball back in tw 2010, he looked, I have, he's, this is what he said about the Zelda movie, which oddly enough he tweeted about it. He, uh, quote, 
since I would never ever hope to have the chance to direct it, the next big mocap Avatar-like movie should be The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> even, even in 2010, this man was thinking about making the next billion-dollar film like Avatar was. I, there's, there, it just doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't understand how you're going to make Link seem cool or or even viable because he does not a character that speaks we've already had this issue when talking about mario and how he talks zelda the world what are they going to do what 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 game are they gonna are they gonna create a whole different story like i just don't understand why it has to be live action and then the concern behind all these people behind it are all people who just make mindless summer blockbuster things that are made to literally make money and that feels like this is what they're doing here i i, I don't i don't get it i i really don't understand why live action and I just, just I, 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 I'm trying to come with it as with an open mind. And I, oh my god, I hope it's good. I hope that they spend the money and it's kind of Lord of the Rings type of in terms of like the the amount of passion behind it. But like, if you said Peter Jackson were directing this, I would be a little bit more uh, at ease. But the fact that it's these people behind it and like directing films, I'm sure it's hard. Writing films, I'm sure it's hard. I'm sure these guys are good at what they do. But in terms of the passion behind the project, in terms of like the artistic approach of a Zelda movie, I just don't see it. All I see is dollar signs and their approach to make the biggest movie that they possibly can that's going to net them the biggest profit. And that's that's what's happening here. I mean, the evidence is is, is, is all out there. Uh, uh, Avi Arad is, is, is the master of, of getting huge IP and churn, churning it out for, for, for profit. So, um, and I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't want it. Uh, but that's where I stand. How about you, Marco? Okay, you're not going to sit here and say you don't want it. You're going to watch that I, the... Day, <laughs> I, I, I would watch out. it for morbid curiosity. Like I, I honestly, no. I, I'm not even, I'm not even lying to you. If they canceled this movie. Okay. I would be, I would be okay with that because. I, I just I just don't see how this is going to be good. I don't. If it was like animated, then there's a little bit more leeway. Like if it was more like a project, uh, like a, a, a Ghibli type of film, uh, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. Those characters, uh, they kind of, they, they would work there. But live action? Can you imagine? Like a fucking Tom Holland wearing the big ass cap. Like it just looks stupid. It's silly. Doesn't work. Calm your nips okay <laughs> so here's the thing i think this is hilarious i cackled when i read this i don't want to i didn't want to sound insensitive but i thought this was hysterical because this is that weird side of nintendo that always comes out and we're finally starting to see that weird side show up in in the film space and it was passable with Mario. It, you know, they, they somehow made it work with the voice acting and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it worked. Um, and now they like, oh, you liked that weird stuff we did? Live action Zelda in your <laughs> face, right? And, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's so funny that they're doing this that I, I think it's actually going to work. I'm actually excited for this. I'm excited for this because I think that they are just nutty enough to figure out a way with this talent, with the, whatever concept they're going to do. I think it's going to be more Breath of the Wild based. Um, I think that they're just crazy enough to figure out a way to make this work. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be, they're going to come into it with the same skepticism as they did with the Mario movie. And that first trailer is going to shut all well of you up. 
and it's going to be thing, a though, good Marco, time. With the Mario, I don't think a lot of people were that skeptical about it being oh, animated. Please. Oh, no, about yes, being they... an... No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, okay, think... okay, okay. Animated, yeah, yes. Yeah. Animated, and, yes. And, yeah. and then, like, the concept of it being an animated film wasn't really, like, that hard of a pill to swallow. The, the biggest kind of controversy was, like, when they got uh, a Chris Pratt to voice Mario and how that yeah, would work. You know, that, yeah. was the, that I agree. That, that was I the agree. biggest controversy there. Here with the Zelda, it's from concept from the game to live action. Like, if they said we're making a live action Mario movie, we've already seen that in the 90s and it was horrific. Like, I. Uh, that's not how you pronounce fire no. at all. And, th- and then when you, look at, when you look at the history of video game films, yes, we've had a good kind of run of them, but those films are mostly always live action and they don't translate well. They just don't do well. Now, there is a lot of money behind this and there is a world where this could work. Absolutely sure. But. I just don't. I, I in my head, I guess it's more hard for me to kind of, uh, kind of look at the concept and then see it on film and see how that would work at all. Because as a Zelda fan, as a person who has that shit tattooed on his body, I am I am fully aware of how silly Zelda is within concept. Like, I, like I, I am aware of of, of the of the absolute uh, uh, of like the, the 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 character models and and the enemy types and all that stuff. It's silly. It's so silly. So I just don't. I, the only way that this would would work, and I would not like it because this would defeat the purpose, is if it's a Legend of Zelda movie in the vein, in terms of like the guy's called Link, there's a Princess Zelda, but they look like regular people. Like Link is wearing like a gladiator helmet or some bullshit like that. Like it, it's it's less about it making it look like a Zelda game and just being a Zelda game because the the main guy is called Link and it's Hyrule and it's Zelda. That's probably the way they're gonna go about it but that wouldn't work for me either because then what's the point just make any other fucking fantasy movie i just so much not working pablo please take a deep breath okay (laughs) i've never heard him talk this fast in my life he's going to town listen it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine it's not gonna hurt it's not gonna hurt like my fandom like if it's bad it's bad i mean people love it's gonna be good people love resident evil the video game and those movies are are mostly bad and it's fine They, they exist separately from the the thing that you love and i'm okay with I, that i know but, i know god damn why i know i know i know i get it you're gonna love it okay i'm calling it right now you can you can roast me for if you if you hate the movie pablo i will i will pay for your ticket <laughs> if you don't like it i just i know nintendo is gonna they're just they're just nutty enough to but pull the nintendo off. part the nintendo part is the only thing that is 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 that that I have a little confidence in, but it's everything else. The they're writer, not going to let them. They're the not going to let them tear that. They're not going to let them ruin it. They're not going to let them ruin it. Don't worry. Yeah, Don't we'll see, man. We'll see when you when you have Aviarat and you have Sony as your 50-50 you turn, partner. You're turning purple. <laughs> you're turning no, but I, purple. But look, I know. <laughs> no, but you said it already. We got to move on. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like they have a lot of people that they have to please in order for for this to work. You and know? they will be pleased. I don't they think so. They shall be pleased. I don't think okay? so. I'm on record saying this won't work. Down. All right. And you're going to get... Let me these, you, listen, you're going to be buying my ticket if you like it. You're going to be buying my ticket if you like it. That's what's going to happen. All right. That's the bet. All right. Well, We're going to move on. Pablo's gonna, P- Pablo is going to meditate as I get through this call to action segment, okay? That's what he's going to do. He's going to harness his chi at this point in time. 
Um, but listen, if, if you don't mind Pablo becoming unhinged at the thought of a live action Zelda movie, uh, and you also enjoyed our content thus far, uh, why not stick with us for a little while? Subscribe to our show if you don't mind. Uh, we are right where you found us, of course. You can also catch us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever you like to stream stuff, especially podcasts, because we're probably there and we can uh, definitely say that we'd appreciate your support. Um, to just follow along with us, especially as we get through our uh, end of year content, which we're going to be kicking off part two of in just a second. So uh, we're unbiased show. Uh, we're not here for the nonsense. We don't just sit here and uh, talk out of our asses. We talk with our hearts, <laughs> as you just heard. Um, but uh, we, we, we take pride in that because these days it's kind of hard to find uh, podcasts and content that isn't just out for clicks or out for uh, attention. We actually try to give you some uh, analysis, even if you don't agree with all of our opinions. At least you can trust that they are earnest and honest, uh, which is a, a rarity these days. Uh, so if that sounds good to you. Give us a follow. Doesn't cost you a thing. If not, no problem. Maybe we'll see you next time around. But let's go ahead and get to the main event of the show that we call the Checkpoint Chat. Let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so Pablo, it is time for yet another year-end review for one of the big three. Last week, we actually gave letter grades out to uh, the Xbox uh, Series X and S. This time around, we're going to be reviewing... Of course, Nintendo. We're going to stick with Nintendo here. Uh, and we're going to give uh, you know our account of the highs and lows of their year. We're going to round it out by giving our letter grade. And then, since this is kind of an unprecedented time for us, uh, where we're kind of, for all intents and purposes, looking at the last full year of the life cycle of the Switch, we're going to give an end-of-life cycle review as well for the Nintendo Switch. And just look at this whole console's life holistically and say... How good was this thing, really? Uh, was it as good as people said? Is it overrated? We will give you our thoughts. So, uh, Pablo, why don't we start with looking at the year that was first, and we'll start that with looking at the highs, uh, which there were you know, some pretty meaningful ones, and that obviously leads us into the first-party content that we got this year. Of course, Tears of the Kingdom being the juggernaut that it was, recently getting Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and also experiences like Pikmin 4 and stuff like that as well. Uh, what's your account on the first-party releases this year, and how impactful was it for Nintendo's year? I mean, look, it's it's it's... Probably the last year, and they gave us the sequel to Breath of the Wild with Tears of the Kingdom. They gave us a new Mario uh, Mario 2D, which is absolutely amazing. I'm not a huge fan of Pikmin, but I mean, people will love it. It's one of the higher rating games of the year. Uh, it's they they are firing on all cylinders, and uh, they're relying on their big hitters, on their franchise staples like like Legend of Zelda and Mario, and and that's a great way to kind of uh, end a year or end a, a video game cycle with the things that you open the game the the the, the console with, which was Breath of the Wild and and um. And the Mario game that is slipping my mind. Oh my gosh, uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. And, and then closing the closing out potentially closing out your year your cycle with Tears of the Kingdom and a Super Mario Bros. I mean that's that's great. Uh, that's a an amazing full circle. And these games are 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 going to be contended specifically Tears of the Kingdom, uh, potentially game of the year game. So like it's it, it's it's one hell of a year so far for them for sure. Yeah, they checked a lot of boxes this year, right? I mean, having a, a great Zelda game, 
having a, a new Mario game, even stuff like Pikmin, the, the deep, the deeper cuts, the B tier stuff, I guess you can say, yeah. uh, all collectively really made this year uh, a pretty fun one to to participate in. Um, so I was I was pretty pleased as well, uh, especially with Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, we gushed about it back when it came out. I think it's still worthy of gushing now. Uh, just you know, taking what they did with Breath of the Wild and building on that in such a an impressive way. Uh, really kind of set the tone for what this year was going to be for them with when it came to first party content. Uh, and I think they delivered uh, pretty much in every way that I could think of at this point as well. Um, moving on, we get to the next thing that we consider a high. And that is, of course, we were just talking about movies. We do need to circle back and talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Because look, man, it was an earth shattering success. It made them a billion plus uh, in, in, in revenue that that's huge for, uh, you know, such a, a big movie like that with so many questions surrounding, you know, is mm-hmm. this going to be a good thing? Is this, is this, is it going to be, is the voice acting thing going to be cool? Like how is this going to work? And it seemed like people showed up, man. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, second, the, the second highest, uh, film in terms of revenue of the year, uh, Barbie, I think was number one that Mario's literally on, on, on right behind it. Uh, and you know, I, I thought the movie was fine. It was pretty, it, it, it worked. I think it, they, 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 they went out to make a Mario movie and I think they, they nailed a lot of that. And that's shown here by its financial success. I mean, what the outcome of this is going to be for the future of other IP, we'll see, but, uh, it's a good, it's a good place to start. That's for sure. That's a great place to start. Who wants a fucking Zelda live action? Anyway, um, ah. uh, no, but seriously though, it, Mar- Mario Bros. movie was 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 decent. It was pretty. De- it was pretty good, uh, and you know, made a whole shitload of money. That's great for uh, Nintendo. Still making money any way they can. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's. Um... I think it was a long time coming. It was inevitable they were gonna dip their toe back in in the motion picture pool. Uh, they did that here. I don't think they made uh, the greatest movie, oh, but no. they made they made what they needed to make to get people to show up and put their butts in those seats, and that's what matters, right? Um, I think that they have a really cool opportunity to build on this movie and um, you know establish a, a Mario movie universe, if for lack of a better term, and and kind of create a little bit of separation from the games um, from here on out. Where I, I think this game, this this game, this movie was kind of like a like a, a greatest hits of all things Mario. I hope that the next time around they kind of ground it a little bit more and give it more of a cohesive story and not just a, hey, you remember that from Mario Kart, yeah. right? That's Donkey Kong right there. Like, I think they got to move past that in the future. But hey, I mean, you, you can't argue with that kind of success. So that's just a big deal. Um, another high is their sales. <laughs> I mean, their sales are high and it's crazy because this is the tail end of the lifespan of the Nintendo Switch and yet they're still uh seeing an increase in year over year sales, Pablo. I mean, this game this game console just won't stop selling. Uh what's going on here? What gives? I mean, look, it's a great console. I mean, specifically, uh, this is definitely bolstered by Tears of the Kingdom. But, I mean, they, they know exactly what they're doing here. Uh, and and uh, this is just goes to show that when Nintendo is firing on all cylinders and they know exactly what they want to do with the console and they have the, the, the software to back it up, you, you really can't beat Nintendo at this game. Like, they, they know what they're doing here at 2 point. It's like a 2.5% increase over year over year is crazy considering where we are with the with the console a dated console when it released is still selling uh what six seven seven years is it seven years into their yeah i think so yeah seven years insane insane it just doesn't make any sense but knowing that it is nintendo it kind of makes sense at the same time 
just speaks to their appeal, man. They they cast such a wide net, you know, kids, uh, adults with nostalgia, you know, people who are just sort of casual gamers, social gamers, you know, let's just play that that Wii Sports thing. Don't they have another one of those? Yep. Like those people buy these things, man. It's 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 in everybody's it's under everybody's Christmas tree every year, you know? Like there's never a bad reason to get a Nintendo console. And this, this, this console to me, just, you know, even this year with tears of the kingdom and new Mario and stuff, the riding the high of the movie, it made sense that this, this console was just going to keep going up and up and up. But you know, um, that does lead us to the lows though. Um, I'm going to kind of move one of our notes up to the top here because I think to kind of bounce off of that year over year increase, there was also the contrast of that, which was the constant, obfuscation of, of I think that's how you say the word right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I that's one of the words right there I have struggled with all my life <laughs> everybody has that one word I think yours is remember you always go remember you, you yeah, switch the remem- and remember me and, and, other, some, and all the other ob- words in the English obfuscation who thinks of this stuff but then nevertheless the, the the constant obfuscation of what the future of the next Nintendo console will be so you have on one hand this incredible success of the current console and this perpetual confusion and obstruction of figuring out what this new console is going to be talk yeah. about that yeah I mean you look at other people who release their consoles like we, we know a lot of like when the PlayStation 5 was about to come out and the Xbox Series X we knew a lot of what that was going to be uh, but you know, it's standard fare when it comes to those consoles. It was going to be more powerful. It was going to be more of this. We don't know what Nintendo does. Like I said, Switch released and it's one it, at its release. It was already underpowered. Uh, you know, you have consoles like the Wii U and consoles like the GameCube. They're just weird conceptual con- uh, consoles that uh, that never really play within the the construct of what you would think a home console is. And you know. Nintendo has not been great when it comes to like carrying over what you already own, your libraries to the next consoles. And so the fact that they're still playing this so close to the chest, the fact that we don't actually know what the next Switch is going to be. The rumor is that it's going to be a continuation of the Switch. There, there's something that leaked that had dual screens, and they, they said that's not what the console is. There, there's so much. Something leaks, and they go, nope, that's not it. Something leaks, nope, that's not it. What the fuck is it? And I think it, it. I think it's a low because, like I already mentioned, we don't know what Nintendo is going to do. Are they going to respect your time and your money and let you play Switch games on the Switch Two? Are they going to let you carry over your library or all these things that are, are are you already have? Are you going to be able to continue to play on the next console? Like there's so many questions that you wouldn't normally ask with an Xbox or a PlayStation that you have to ask for a Nintendo, and they're still not telling you. Is a little concerning and. Play, plain and simple. We want to know what's coming next. We want to know what to be gearing up for. We want to know the output, the 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 the, the innards, what the the, the console is going to put out power wise. We want to know these things because we want to know what the future of Nintendo looks like, and they're not interested in telling us, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I give them credit though, right? Because they they do a great job of of not letting things leak out very very much. Like they play their cards very close to the chest. They don't let people just come in and my uncle works at Nintendo kind of thing happens to them and then all of a sudden their details are out there um so i I give them credit for that but i also think that that can that can make it very hard to understand how to like how much to invest in the ecosystem right because i don't want to buy switch games anymore if they're not going to be compatible with the next console yeah i don't want to do that i mean yeah i'm going to make exceptions for tears of the kingdom i'm not going to wait you know but like if i don't know 
you know, if buying a third party game is going to carry over to the next game, right, then I'm, I'm probably not going to buy it on that console. I'll just get it somewhere else. Um, I think the other thing is the hardware gap, like in terms of like visual fidelity and, and, you know, performance and stuff like it would be nice to have heard something about like the chipset and, you know, things like, the, you know, we've heard like offhand remarks from like Bobby Kotick. But I mean, I don't really like listening to that guy for a whole lot, <laughs> including this kind of thing. So it's hard to tell. Like, right. So I, I just think that although I give them credit for keeping things secret, I also kind of loathe them for it because I just think that they by by waiting so long to reveal the console i think they can sometimes take people off guard and then go oh crap this isn't backwards compatible i mean everything i just bought's not going to work and you're going to resell it to me again like those scenarios as much people think oh nintendo wouldn't do that they do they do that so it's like you know i would love to believe that they're they're turning a new leaf and that they've understood that the the digital ecosystem is not the kind of thing you can restart console after console after console but Nintendo is is notoriously behind on the times on a lot of things, so I can't put it past them either. So yeah, it is a low for me. You still can't play the HD remaster of Wind Waker that came out on the Wii U on the Switch. It's nope. it's insane. Yeah, but there's a lot of other HD remasters that are making in the pipeline, man. That's that's our other low, actually. Um, is is this year especially? It kind of felt like you know a lot of their announcements seemed like they were scraping the bottom of the bin. We've we've used that term a couple times describing it, but when you think about like the Luigi's Mansion twos, the Mario RPG, the Mario versus Donkey Kong, um, you know they, they seem to go to the well uh, a lot uh, with old games to a point where it's like you know what is the what are the new things that are coming? And it just kind of feels like now that we're in at, at the end of the Switch life cycle, it's like let's not give them any original stuff right now. Let's just re-release some stuff and make it look a little prettier. Yeah. And it feels a little excessive to me, but what are your thoughts? Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it just feels like they probably had all these games already lined up and are holding it back and just kind of to fill some gaps. And, you know, maybe if they would have released them when they were ready, it would seem a lot more spaced out. But the fact that they're coming out back to back to back just seems like, okay, they're definitely just kind of just 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 trying to fill the calendar until the next console comes out and they're not going to release you know new ip or they're not going to release continuation of, of, of other legendary ip but what they are going to do is offer you luigi's mansion 2 mario rpg remake you know that mario versus Donkey Kong. the if they ever release the zelda uh remasters like it, there, there's just so much shit that that's out there uh now that just seems excessive because they're just releasing it back to back to back to back it just it does feel like all right they're definitely just filling calendar dates here and uh that's that's never fun especially when uh when nintendo's been pumping out so much great shit and then what we look what we have what we have to look forward to is just things i've played when i was 10 is not necessarily (laughs) exciting for me yeah well some of it is some of it yeah, yeah, yeah. just it just feels like they haven't picked the best like games to bring back though it's like these are ran these feel very random to me yeah mario versus donkey kong was like what yeah that was <laughs> why and people love mario rpg and that's getting remade but i i would struggle to find so that the niche. fact that it was like i think a, like ocarina of time remake would have made way more money than mario rpg something like they have these like really awesome games that are are due for something uh like a remake or or a very uh yeah. extensive remaster like they did with metroid prime but they just Nintendo's don't do like, it nah yeah like nah we're <laughs> luigi's mansion 2 yeah which is like, advance wars like, yeah what? what what okay sure yeah 
Um, but nevertheless, those are our highs and lows, Pablo. So let's go ahead and, and issue out our grade for Nintendo's year. Uh, I want you to start by telling the people what you gave Nintendo last year, just for contrast, and then tell us uh, what you're giving them this year and why. Yeah, last year I gave them a B minus. Um, you know, they did a lot of good stuff last year. It, when I look back at kind of what they released, it, it was it was a low year, but a lot of the stuff that they released, I really enjoyed quite a bit. So I gave them B, B minus. But this this year, I, I gave them a B plus. Uh, it was between A minus B plus. But uh, honestly, that's all having to do with Tears of the Kingdom and and, and Mario uh, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I think that's kind of the reason why I gave it a B plus. Everything else we talked about is great. The movie's great. The the, the year over over year sales is great. But it is the end of the life cycle and with all the h3 masters that are that have come out that are coming out like their big game this at the end of this year it was mario but they're also kind of capping that with mario rpg things like that that just aren't great and then you look at like you said like uh uh like advanced wars did it, it came out and nobody talked about it. you know it's just little things like that and uh, it's unfortunate that uh that's what we where we are right now with nintendo but other than that it's still been a pretty good year for them and i i, I give them a confident b plus here yeah that's fair um so last year i gave nintendo a c plus i think uh, to me it was kind of a, a, a bland year but not a bad year i think xenoblade chronicles 3 probably was what pushed it up to a c plus if it hadn't been for that it would have been a lot lower um this year I give them a B minus. I think that um, Tears of the Kingdom was Tears of the Kingdom. You can't argue that. Um, the 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 box office success of the Mario movie. You can't deny that. The year over year sales going up this far into the game with this console is um, hard to argue against. Um, those things really do make you sit back and go, "Damn, Nintendo is them." You know, then you have the lows, though. I mean, you know, not everything was perfect. The the HD remaster, you know, bin scraping to me is getting a little weird and old and kind of annoying at this point. Um, and so was kind of this like perpetual. Is there a Switch Pro? Is there not a Switch Pro? Is it the next console entirely? What is that going to be? What do we know? What do we not know? It's just too many looming questions that I think Nintendo maybe could have made better use of their time this year with getting in front of that they didn't. So I think B minus to me seems about right. It was a, it was a good year. Um, one of the better years of the Switch's life by far. But uh, definitely had some room for improvement, um, despite a lot of those undeniable successes. So I'm at a B minus. Um, but here's the thing, Pablo. This is uh, the last time we're going to be reviewing the Nintendo Switch for the year, because this is uh, hypothetically the end of the Switch's life. So we also need to give an end of life cycle review for this console. And it's crazy to think about that, you know, this console has been a part of gaming for so many years and now it's on the verge of going away. On, on, on one hand, it feels like it, it's like finally it's happening, but also it's like, damn, I have a hard time imagining not, you know, hearing about the Nintendo switch anymore. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're, we're here. It's upon us. It's happening. And I would um, be curious to, you know, talk about what grade we would give the Nintendo switch as a whole. Um, do you want to take a stab or you want me to go first? I'll go, I'll go first quickly. Uh, I think that the Switch will go down in history as one of the best uh, Nintendo consoles of all time. I think that it, 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 it got to a point here where we're, we're looking at The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Super Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We got Mario Wonder that just came out of the year. We got Mario... Uh, 
Cart 8 Deluxe, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. We got all these games that come out. We, we even got Monster Hunter Rise that people really loved. We have some of the, the, the Legend of Zelda uh, Link's Awakening remake. Uh, and we, we, we saw so much things. We saw Splatoon 2. We saw Splatoon 3. We saw all these games coming out from a new entry into Luigi's Mansion. And not to forget some of those platinum games like Astral Chain that came out for, exclusively for uh, for uh, the Switch. A lot of these games that we that not only were they the best of the best in terms of the their IP, but also they took chances like Mario plus Rabbids, all that stuff. It's just, it just it, they were like kind of just on another level throughout all the life cycle and they were also battling the fact that they were on a weaker console through and through so they did most of this without third parties so with that and just the amount of sales that they've done i i I couldn't give it anything less than an a plus for me i think that ultimately at the end of time when we look at it uh, through history we're gonna look at the switch and be like fuck that was a monster console and it had all the makings of it not working and yet it, it it fought through that and it gave us some of the best games of all time oh i think i'm gonna disagree a little bit here um because i here's here's kind of my thing i i i would give the nintendo switch as a whole i would give it a b minus um i think that the switch is a good but slightly overrated nintendo console that i think epitomizes a good B-tier Nintendo experience compared to like the Pantheon of Nintendo consoles. I I would never say that this is like uh, at the level of a Super Nintendo. So I can't go as high as an A+. I think that's the pinnacle of Nintendo. Um, so I would go B-. And here's why. I think, I think the positives of the Switch was that Zelda had a great run. I think there were better third-party releases. I think it was a JRPG lover's wet dream all generation long. <laughs> um, I think the hybrid format of being a handheld and a home console, that, that was a hit. Um, and I think the Pro Controller was was actually a, a surprising plus for me. Um, Love that thing. Great controller. I think the negatives, though, are interesting because I think that to me, and this is Marco's opinion, I think that the it was a mediocre Mario generation, in my opinion. I didn't care for Odyssey that much. I think the 2D remakes, I know Wonder, a lot of people really like it a lot, but I think the the 3D world stuff to me just doesn't seem super compelling. And the sports games were not very good at all, in my opinion. Um, I think some of the best games were souped up Wii U ports. Smash Brothers Ultimate came from the Wii U, just made better. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was from the Wii U, just made better. So I think that um, it was a lot of like, oh, no one, no one cared about the Wii U, so let's bring that over here and let's make that game better. And they were, uh, and they were, you know, essential parts of the of the Switch experience. But it just felt like a carryover from the last generation before it. Um, weird peripherals, the cardboard thing, the workout equipment, stuff like that. It just kind of got back in that peripheral hell again for a while. Uh, we just talked about the HD remasters. Too many of those to me. Um, and a lot of them were just too niche and weird to be like, why is this coming back? Another Paper Mario? Like, really? We need this again? Um, uh, and, and to that point, a lot of rumored and announced games that we never saw again. Like, waiting for the HD Zeldas to come out. Waiting for Metroid Prime 4. It never happened. Like, you know, those things matter too. It was a lot of like, I wonder if this is going to be the direct where we see this get announced. And that, that day never came for a lot of things. And I think that just kind of left me hanging for a while there. And I know it did for you in some ways too. Um, the power gap. I think that that stood out as time went on. It really did. Being a generation behind really kind of bit them in, in some ways when it came to getting like parody with third party support. Um, and then Data you look three. at, 
Yeah. Oh, God almighty. And then you have like the, the, the aspects of Nintendo that still feel archaic, like the way they handled online gaming. Use your phone for that if you want to talk yeah, to your friends. Good. Here's your friend code. We're still doing that in in the 2020s right now and then just things like the stagnation of like the 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 console experience the no like no changes to dashboard customization no themes no new features were added it was just what you get now is what you got back in 2017 or so and i just feel like there was a lot of room for growth for the console um whereas when you see on playstation and xbox like they'll have a like a a dashboard overhaul this is a cleaner way of showing you know your your dashboard now we added this feature and there's none of that with the switch at all it's it was a very stagnant um what you see is what you get console uh for better or for worse so that's why i I can't i cannot go in the a territory with that with those kind of negatives and 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 drawbacks i think b minus about summarizes where i think the console lands i think it's a good console i think little overrated but not to the point where I'm like, oh, it's actually trash. No, I just think it's like a, a solid Nintendo experience to me. Yeah, I think for me, it's more or less just like it was always about the games. Um, but you're right. A lot of the you make a lot of good points uh, as well. But for me, it was always about the games. Like I and it, and it this and I am definitely 100% making excuses for them because I, I I never expected them to 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 have a online that worked as well as Xbox. I never expected the UI and the system to ever look great because they never have. Uh, so a lot of the things that I kind of I already were expecting were kind of baked into the entire thing. And I, yeah, it does it just because they didn't do it, and they don't do it, doesn't mean they should. And I, and I know that I am making excuses for them at that from, from that but overall just kind of a console in terms of the, the what they did with the games i think that you know i, I hard pressed for me to find uh, a console that has done the same in in, in that span i mean nintendo super like the super nintendo is also an a plus console obviously but like mm. it's just it, it just feels like the second coming of that for me just because of the games that they put out but again if you look at it an overview look at all the consoles put together that what which we're doing here there's a lot of misses that they definitely do i just don't know if if, if the next switch is going to fix any of those things either so that's that's true that'd be curious yeah. yeah well one more question that came to mind because this is now that i think about it you know this this console was out when the ps4 and xbox one were out now that the ps4 is gone now that the xbox one is gone and now that the switch is about to be gone between those three consoles what would how would you rank them from one to three, like PS4, Xbox One, Switch. Where would you Where would you set them? Oof, uh, it, Switch, PS4, Xbox One, probably. Switch, yeah. PS4, Xbox One. Okay, yeah, that makes sense yeah. for you. Yeah, that makes sense for you. The Zelda factor. Yeah, and I could see why that would be over the top. Yeah, I am surprised Xbox One is last though. I guess that's a little strange to me. Uh, PS4. I mean, look, if you look at PS4 and what they did with their with their again their games, just mm-hmm. the Last of Us, two, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, when you look at the Uncharted series and what they did there, uh, they those games are among some of the best games ever made and they're all on the ps4 xbox one you know it had it it, 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 it i was a fan of the system because i'm an xbox first guy but realistically looking had a super incredibly rough uh start to it yeah. uh it was very barren for very long in terms of their first party output uh and then when they did release some games 
Halo 5. Like, it's like, there's there's a lot of misses with the Xbox One that in retrospect, uh, you really can't compare the, the Xbox One to what the PS4 did and obviously what the Switch has done. Uh, yeah. Consistency is huge. And uh, Xbox One at the end kind of got the shit together thanks to Phil Spencer and that carried over to the Xbox Series X. But you have to kind of judge it for me as a whole. And as a whole, it just, it, there's too many things going against the Xbox One for it even to, to touch what the ps4 switch has done yeah that's that's a good point i would i would actually go ps4 xbox one switch uh and people are gonna be like what but i don't know man i thought the xbox one um really course corrected quite a bit by the time the generation was over and i think that you know for every halo 5 there was a gears 5 and there was a quantum break that was like what that's so that is the coolest thing ever and um i and i i just felt like the um the the xbox experience despite the TV, TV, TV stuff was really good. So I, I, I got a lot more juice out of the Xbox than I ever did with the switch. Despite, you know, having so many great experiences on the switch, I just felt like Xbox was more of a, um, you know, more of a, a home home console for me, uh, in a way that switch could never be on its best day. It's not, it, the Switch's problem to me is that it was never, it, despite its greatness, it could never be your main console. Unless yeah, you're true. a kid, it could never be. It's always this this ancillary piece to your gaming experience, and I think that's why I can't I can't put it above the other two because it just it never could be that in its, I, in its finest hour. I agree with you, but at the end of the day, if I could only play a set of games from one library uh, out of those three, it would be the Switch with the with the with the Zelda aspect and the Mario aspect as well. So I, I, I've always said that I, I always said that if you have a PlayStation 4 or Xbox one, the switch is a great companion piece. It but is. at the end of the day for me, like, like, uh, what's that saying? The light uh, Island, like, uh, alone in the Island, I would bring the Switch before anything. Not talking about like, because oh, it's easier to have. Just in the perfect world, they've had electricity <laughs> in, in the in the Stranded Island. I, I would just, those are the games that I would gravitate to more anyway, that I could replay more. In a fully powered desert island with <laughs> amazing internet and Wi-Fi. You just better have a phone to play games online. Um so look, that is uh, that is the Nintendo Switch both this year and uh, and forevermore. Um, so that's our reviews for both. Uh, B minus for me uh, for end of life cycle review. A plus for Pablo. Uh, hopefully, you gave us an A plus for this episode for listening to us uh, all the way up to this point. Um, we sure had a lot of fun talking games with you all uh, this week. If you had fun as well. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Next week, we're going to do the exact same thing for the PlayStation 5. You are not going to want to miss that episode <laughs> whatsoever. We have a lot to say about the PlayStation 5's year, um, and uh, we're sure you're not going to want to miss that. So subscribe to us uh, so that you don't miss out on that. Uh, but until next time, that's going to do it for me and Pablo here at Cool Down Time. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your video games, and we'll catch you next week. Peace out. Peace out.